What is up, Bridge Nation? It has been a while. Tonight we were joined by the Table Rock Ultras 50K women's top finishers, Sophie McDonald and Reagan Sykes. These two were absolutely amazing guests, and we know you're going to love this one. So sit back and relax. Yo, what is Crackalack and Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back to another Ridge Runners live show. Tonight, we are joined by two amazing runners who finished first and second at the Table Rocks Ultra 50K this past weekend in Morganton, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Sophie McDonald, Reagan Sykes, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you guys? Yeah, going good. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, I know we're super excited to kind of talk to you guys about your race and how everything played out for you guys out there on the course. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Harton and holding down the fort with me tonight. Some of you may know him, some of you may not. He's known as the sixth man of the nation, Cam Wrench. How's it going? I'm doing real well, Wesley. How about you? I'm, do- I'm doing great. Super happy to be here tonight. Uh, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have a Strava Club as well. Uh, our handle is Ridge Runner, at Ridge Runners on all platforms. So before we dive too deep into the race tonight, I want to get to know our two guests a little bit more. So, uh, so let's start off by taking a minute to tell us about yourself and how you kind of start, how you guys got into running. We can start with Sophie. Hey guys, so I'm Sophie McDonald. I got into running actually to, as a way to spend time with my mom. So my entire life, my mom has been running and has been running ultras. Um, she's done Upstead. She's done the Badwater 135. Um, so it's kind of a cool thing to do. She used to take us out. She'd run for like six hours on Saturday. And if you were able to walk an hour with her, you usually got ice cream at the end. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty hard sell there, but uh, I got into it. Um, and then I ran all through high school, through college as well. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm pretty much done with the 5k, that whole, I'm going to vomit for 20 minutes of my life. I don't ever need again. Um, so to be in the world of ultra running where you can talk and you can have a sandwich and you can actually take a picture of the view is super awesome. Um, when I'm not ultra running, I am actually a chiropractor by trade. So my lovely wife and I, um, we own our own practice up here in Huntersville. It's called United Sports Solutions. So I am an athlete and I get to work with athletes. So. That's really great. Um, <clears throat> that's the kind of thing that like some people I don't think quite understand is that like a 5k, at least for me, I feel like I've been eating pennies, right? Like for the last five minutes of the race, people think these ultras are like so hard when I get to eat actual food instead of just tasting like metal and blood the whole time. Yeah. Um, so uh, Reagan, what about you? How did you yeah, get started so, running? Yeah. So um I only started running about about 10 months ago. So beginning of this year, um, at the beginning of this year, I verbatim said the words, I've only run four miles consecutively, and I don't plan on ever running more than four miles. So I am, I've been doing CrossFit for the past four or five years um, through school. I just played uh, like softball and tennis and a little bit of um, cross country and track only for region and state. The the coach at the school just kind of like forced me. And so then I've been doing CrossFit all through college. And so CrossFit's mantra is to be good at a lot of things, not great at one thing. So one day I was sitting thinking, kid you not. And I said, you know, if I'm only doing CrossFit, then I'm really only going to be good at CrossFit. Like what if I, what if I need to, or what if I want to be able to go run more than four miles one day? And so I just kind of was like, I'm going to start running. And a friend of mine who's a 10 year ultra runner um, took me out to like a, like a mountain biking trail. And we did six that day and I was hooked. So that was in January. And then I ran my first uh, half at that same course that I did my first ever trail run. Um, And then, yeah, so Table Rock was only my first ever ultra third race in the books. So besides running and CrossFit and a little bit of cycling, I work for Whoop, which is a fitness tracking uh, device. And um, that's about it. I literally uh, work out and work and eat in between. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be super exciting to kind of see your journey as you continue to kind of like learn more about ultra running over the next coming years. And obviously, you had a super awesome performance that we'll dive into in a little bit. But uh, let's start off with Sophie's race. So take us back to why you signed up for this race and kind of like what your training was like leading up to the race. 
Yeah, so I actually had no intentions of doing this race. Um, I kind of set my schedule for the spring and the summer. Um, and really after the Belmonte 50 miler, everything fell apart. Every race I had planned was canceled or went virtual. Um, so I was really just kind of looking to see what was still open, what I could race. Um, and Table Rock was super interesting because there's some solid climbs and some technical trails. Uh, so I just signed up hoping that it would happen. Um, training went well for the most part. I was still coming off a pretty big high from Belmonte. So knew it was in good shape. Didn't know what to expect at Table Rock. Um, I'd, I've had one friend that ran it and with COVID kind of being up in the air and them kind of talking about whether they might have to reroute the course. I didn't even know if the information I got was accurate. Um, turns out it was very accurate. Um, going into the race, truly, I just wanted to run and enjoy the views, enjoy the course. Um, I always try and be competitive. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it blows up in my face. Uh, but it was also super weird because I think we were talking about early, we started in waves. So I wasn't even in the first wave of people to go off. I ended up being in the second wave, which was fine because that means I didn't need a headlamp. Um, and I probably would have lost my headlamp in the stream crossings and then it would have been a whole debacle. Um, so starting the second wave was kind of weird because there just I mean, there was less than 20 people in our wave when we started. And I think I saw two people and it wasn't until like mile three or four that I even saw anybody else, um, which was nice from the standpoint I wasn't kind of jockeying back and forth on some of those trail sections but I do like kind of having the camaraderie of having people close uh, first part of the race kind of rolling through those fields I have some solid solid scratches from all the bushes I ran through um, I'm not a tall person so the scratches go very far um, but once we got through that and we hit the first stream crossing I remember counting there were two women right behind me that were in our heat and I was like this is great if I fall someone will hear me like this is awesome got through the first one I was like oh that's probably the worst it's gonna be um and was rolling and just feeling pretty good and then when we got to that second stream crossing uh, up I mean truly I'm sure you're in the same boat it was up to here um and I just kept thinking if I don't get in the water I'm not gonna do this uh and it's still pretty dark so I do have to say that second stream crossing is probably the most terrified I've ever been in my ultra running life um, but once I got out of that, I started catching some women from the first heat, or I assume they were in the first heat. Um, and so people were kind of telling me that I was catching up to their wave, um, but I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't even see the first wave go off. So I had no idea. I didn't know how many women were in it. I didn't really even know if it was a full 20-person wave. So I was just trying to kind of pick people off. Um, and then I'm a pretty strong uphill runner. So I knew my goal was just to really kind of push it up table rock and see what I could do. Um, that's when I saw this little blonde ponytail right there, right there. Um, she was booking it up some steps in front of me. Um, and I was like, ah, I could probably like, I could probably catch her. Like we've got this. Um, and I remember thinking, cause you looked back at one point and I was like, okay, all right. Now she knows I'm here. Like I'm clearly <laughs> not being very quiet. Um, but I just kind of kept flowing up and it was nice. It was nice to get a good smile and a, and a wave going up, uh, table rock lookout was awesome. Um, got to the top, kind of texted my wife, let her know where I was at. Um, and then started back down and Reagan actually asked me on the way back down, like, do we make a right or left at the aid station? And I was like, I, I don't know. And she was like, you've ever run this before? And I was like, nope. And then right at that point, she was like, Vroom! right past me and I was like all right well it's good to, good to see you um and then I very delicately very old lady like kind of trampled myself back down table rock um it was really probably pretty embarrassing looking um and then then for me we kind of hit we hit another uphill so I was like oh we're good um and then from that point I really I mean I had no idea where anybody else was at that point I knew I'd passed at least one other person from the first heat um, but I was just having fun and just kind of racing those uphills. And then right at mile 20, there's a little switch back. So I saw Reagan again. Um, but I, I mean, I didn't know where, where anyone really was. And it was the same thing. I got to the aid station and figured it was the highest point. So I texted my wife again to let her know where I was at. Um, and then my watch promptly died. So for the last almost 10 miles or so, I didn't actually know what what time I was at or where I was at, um, which was probably a good thing. 
So I just kept rolling, um, enjoyed the technical sections through that second half. There was a lot of times kind of crawling through some rocks and some streams that I was pretty sure we were not on course, but uh, it was it was fun. And I did say kind of kept the legs just cool and jamming because it was some cold water. Um, and then once we got the last seven miles kind of repeat themselves and I was like, once we hit that, you know, I know where I'm going, I'm going to push a little bit and just see, you know, if I, if I have a shot to kind of creep up in the field. Um, that being said, I knew no one else had really passed me. Um, it was just a matter of how close I could get. Um, and so finished and was super excited just to see uh, Reagan and be like, Hey, like you could be someone I could run with in the future. Um, but then my wife was like, yeah, so how'd you do? And I was like, I have no idea. So it was super excited too to just kind of see the results kind of roll out the next day or two. Um, and it's fun to sometimes just race and have no idea where you're at and just push yourself. So that was kind of, it's kind of my race. It was just having a good time running uphill hard and creeping down some downhills. It was definitely so interesting, obviously, for you uh, being in wave two as well. What was your mentality like trying to like chase down the people in wave one? Did you think about it at all at any point? Yeah, so I was hoping to be pretty competitive through the race. Um, I knew there were some people with some times pretty close to me. So I knew basically no no one could pass me from behind. That was the first goal. Um, and then the second goal was just trying to kind of look and see the next person ahead of me and just catch them. Uh, I really didn't know how many people were in front of me, um, but I knew if I, if I could see them, I was probably within that 10 minute window of being past them. So I think for me, it was like, Ooh, like what's up ahead. It was probably better than having to kind of run out in the lead and try and not let people pass you. It was kind of like a nice game of tracking people down, which is fun. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So I, I, obviously, did you find out that you won the race the day after when the results came out? Or did you know at the finish line at any point? I had no idea at the finish line because I actually know, I didn't know what my time was because I had no watch. Um, we had, my wife has one picture she took at the finish line that had the timestamp on it, but she was like, I don't know if it like is right or not. So, and it, and it was like, like 50 some seconds that we were off by. Like 52, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was like I finished at like 125 or something and you ran like 116 or something. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh god, like that could like we could have started a few minutes off or a few seconds off and it wasn't even close. Um but truly like you could have won, I could have won. I would have been pleased either way. Yeah, I've um I've actually thought a lot about how cool it would have been to been to be in the same wave. Like yeah. you know, like would we have literally been running shoulder to shoulder for 31 miles and then sprinted to the finish or would we have separated here and there and then kind of caught back up across the the rest of the course it's just kind of wild to think how it could have been if we had been in the same wave it would have been awesome it, yeah it would have been awesome you'd have kicked my ass down the downhills like you did but uh would have eventually gotten back there <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you ran a great race you as well yeah, I feel like that's just the kind of like the challenge, I guess, with these wave starts is that like you just don't know uh, like how other people are doing or running. You just kind of have to run your run your own race, obviously, like you did. Um, kind of going off that, like I guess, what was the one thing that really? Let me see how I want to wear this. Like really just kind of stood, like stood out to you, I guess, compared to a different race. So obviously you don't have that back and forth. I mean, you were able to kind of run your own race, but do you think like it was easier doing that? Like trying to focus on yourself and obviously push and just hope that it works out and not really stress about, oh, okay, this person came out of an aid station. Like I have to pretend to look good because their crew could be here. All the other stuff that a regular ultra, I guess, could say uh, you'd see. Did any of that come into play for you? Heck yeah. I didn't. I remember actually thinking before the race, cause normally I'm used to having my wife also out there crewing me. And that's a huge thing for me too. Cause I have a good bit of food allergies. So I don't take a lot of food from the aid stations and stuff. So just being like, you know, I've got to not only carry everything I've got, but I've got to kind of be self-sufficient um, throughout the race, not having anyone to race with any of that. Um, but that's how I trained too. So it, it was kind of fun. It was nice to be like, Okay, this is what I do. Like I do my long runs by myself. Like I'm always on the trails by myself. Like this is, this is normal. Just kind of do your thing and have fun. Um, but it, it was, it was truly just 
odd to be out there by yourself because that was probably the most time I've spent by myself during a race. Um, really, other than going up Table Rocker until we hit the 30K people, it was just just jamming, maybe, you know, meeting, passing the person and being like, hey, how, how you doing? Okay. Um, but it was good. You know, it was actually honestly a good challenge. I think that's something in ultra running. You do sometimes get stuck by yourself. You're just in a weird spot. You have to make sure you're paying attention to course markers, making sure you are pushing yourself. Um, so it was, it was a good challenge. Awesome. Yeah. We're super pumped that obviously you decided to run the race after trying to look, look for it and whatnot. And we're super excited that you were able to take home the top spot there over 52 seconds. Uh, Reagan, let's dive into your race now. Obviously we're not going to get too excited because you're, you're on here. So obviously, uh, no whatnot, but yeah, no, you obviously had an awesome race as well. Uh, walk us through kind of what was like signing up for it and why you chose this race. For sure. So, um, so five weeks ago or around five weeks ago, I ran my first marathon on August 8th, um, H9 marathon. So that was my, that was my goal for a long time. I was signed up for table rock, even while I was still training for H9. So for a while, table rock was very like abstract, right? Like I had H9, um, in, in sight, especially with it being another mile marker of my first marathon and it wasn't until after H9 that it really kind of hit me like, all right, I have another race coming up, my longest distance yet, um, my first like official ultra. And I picked it because I, so I do like to climb. I'm with Sophie. I really enjoy climbing. Um, but I also like to be, I like to get in a groove. I don't want to feel like I'm hiking the whole time. I'm a little hasty. So I like to move quickly. And so I had seen on ultra signup that it was uh, rated like 86% runnable, which I am going to have to rebuttal because I don't think that was 86% <laughs> runnable. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I picked it because it was, so it was out of Georgia. I'm based, I'm, I live here in Atlanta. So I wanted something out of Georgia um, and table rock just looked awesome. I, I loved, it looked like it was a very well-organized event. They've done several races. So it was just very appealing. So I signed up. Um, <clears throat> training for my marathon was better. Uh, it went better because the five weeks in between, I had like four or five failed attempt attempts for long runs. So about three days before the race, I was actually like having a bit of a, like a freak out moment, which I think all kind of comes back to how new I am. My friend likes to joke and tells me that I've only been running for four minutes because I'm so new. And I think sometimes I forget that. And so I had the longest I'd run before between my marathon and, and table rock was nine miles. And in my head, I had forgotten how to run. Like my body wasn't going to know how to do it and the whole nine yards. So anyways, fast forward <clears throat> to the race. And um, I had a pretty rough start, actually. The, the river crossing and a little bit um, before the river crossing, I actually ran and I, I ran out of my shoe. So um, I stepped in a mud puddle or like a more just like a big old pile of mud and it, it built a suction and pulled my foot right out of my shoe. And so I had to stop and out of like pure panic, I, I reached back. And so I stepped my now barefoot foot in the mud and then I put it back in the shoe and I'm like, well, no big deal. There's a river crossing coming up. I'll, I'll rinse it off. And then in that river crossing is the one that Sophie was talking about, which was the one that was a lot more like I had a really strong current. My feet came out from under me and I went neck deep in the river and it's all on my GoPro hilariously where I pull myself out of the river and my AirPods, my phone, my GoPro, all my snacks, everything is soaking wet. And so I'm like, just kind of beating myself up. I, you know, I was like, this isn't going smoothly. And anyway, so fast forward to when, um, when I see Sophie and so there, there's, there's one thing, if you see the, uh, someone in your wave, uh, gain some distance on you, it's another, when someone who started 10 minutes behind you catches you. And so at this point I was just like, honestly kind of stuck in a spiral. I I'd, I'd seen Sophie and she was monstering up these climbs. Like it was no big deal. And I was, I'd lost sight of the other girl who started in the wave with me. So at this point, the only other female who's ahead of me and I'd lost sight of her. I've got Sophie who I know started 10 minutes after, and she's just like, 
the low and buy. And so it took a lot of uh, a lot of like redirecting my headspace and just like really focusing on the fact that there were so many miles ahead, like anything could happen. So I did. I I continued to climb up and we'd Sophie and I, she doesn't know it, but she's actually, I have a, a GoPro video of you actually. <laughs> um, at the top, we ended up, I summited probably not but about 60 seconds behind her. And um, and then yeah, she kind of let me let me pass her on the downs. So the the that's where I really had a big turnaround, I would say, for my mindset was just finally experiencing a little bit of relief from what seemed like three or four consecutive miles um, climbing. So the, from mile probably 14 to about 22 was, was great. I really liked the gravel roads. Um, those can be a little bit daunting when you can just see them like winding forever, but I love the, the slow up for a little while. And then when you hit a down, you can just make up so much time. Um, so that was, that was really awesome. The Sophie mentioned this already, but the last, I would say, five or six miles, there were a lot of points that I was wondering if I was on the trail because it wasn't really a trail. It was like just shuffling along rocks. And it was probably during that entire time that I was like cursing the fact that this course said 86% runnable because I felt like I was walking. And again, back to this like hastiness I have, I don't like to walk. I don't like to hike. If I wanted to hike, I would go do that. And so, um, so I just, I just, I just kept moving. Um, you know, when I, when I hit 26.67 miles, it was officially my longest distance that I've run yet. So I had like a mini celebration there and, um, and yeah, just, just finish, finish as strong as I could. It was weird not knowing where people were relative to me the wave thing, I get that we have to do it, but I personally wasn't a fan of it. Um, I am, I, I'm very competitive. So like, I know Sophie said that she likes to kind of go out and like do her thing, but I, I've, I've tried to rid myself of it a little bit, but I'm so competitive. So like not knowing where someone is relative to my place and my time, um, was, was weird. It was weird. And, and lastly, you know, um, I was number one bib only because I have two races on my record. And so when you run the whole race with aid station workers and other people like kind of like, you know, clapping because you're number one or, or saying things at the top of Table Rock like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. You know, that doesn't really help because it's it, people think, oh, well, she's got the number one bib you know, oh, no, guys, I've only been running for like nine months. Don't be impressed. You know, so it's kind of a weird setup. Like it's a very skewed um, setup that they have with the the ultra sign up ranking and, you know, deciding what wave you're going to start in. So, but it was a great race. It was awesome. Yeah. I was really glad that it ended up being my first ultra at Table Rock. Yeah, that's so great to hear, Reagan. And if you want to uh, come up with like, a uh, very like concise argument to send to ultra sign up. I will gladly sign on because um, none of their ratings make any sense to me. And I clearly should be much higher. Right. Um, <laughs> but we've got our, uh, we've got our first question from the chat tonight. Um, Eric Anderson, another guy um, down South there with y'all. Um, he says working for whoop. I assume she is dialed on her heart rate. I assume you meant like dialed in or something. Uh, is recovery going as she expected? How does it compare with CrossFit events? That's an awesome question. So recovery is going really well. Um, my heart rate data for the race, I was really pleased with it. I averaged it like somewhere between a 140 and 145 heart rate for the, for the race. Um, the next day I recovered 18%, which is 9% higher than what I recovered the day after my marathon. Um, but in whoop language, that's pretty deep in the red. Um, the next day I recovered yellow and in the last two days I've been high in the green. So my recoveries are much better than expected. Um, the only downfall to, to seeing a green recovery two days after your first ultra is that you're led to believe that you can go conquer the world. And so then you show up at CrossFit at 630 in the morning to find out that your body's 
probably still still doing a little bit of recovering from from that many miles. So, yeah, here it is. Got to rep it a little bit. <laughs> well, that's also um, great to hear that recovering is going well for you. Um, <clears throat> so, um, keeping that in mind, you mentioned going to CrossFit um, a couple of days after the race. What did your training sort of specifically look like? I'm curious. You know, you had your first marathon five weeks before. And did you mention that you had only done like a nine mile run beforehand was your longest run? Were you still going to CrossFit? Were you running in your neighborhood? Were you running on trails? Uh, what was just sort of like your general training like? Yeah. So the nine mile run, um, I probably should have made it a little clearer. So the, the nine mile run was my longest one between the marathon and the and Table Rock, but that wasn't purposeful. I actually went to Table Rock two weekends before the race because I wanted to run up there. And without boring you with a horrible story, um, it, I, it was, I was unsuccessful. I just take my word for it. I didn't get to run. And so I had literally, four, I think it totaled up to four weekends when you take away taper four weekends to get like at least a longish run in. So like 15 to 16. And I was never able to, um, mainly because I didn't rest well enough after the marathon. And so for two weeks, I was struggling to run a little bit. So the way my training goes is I do CrossFit um, typically three to four times a week, but I, I try not to go any more than four times. And then I run like three times a week. Um, again, still learning, but I think I'm more of a low mileage runner. So I do like a couple runs, weekday runs, maybe around like as short as like three to six miles. And then on the weekend, I'll go out and do somewhere between like 15 and 22. And that's all relative to like what I've been able to do. So like, again, the table rock was my longest distance. So like I wasn't going out and doing 30 mile runs because I'd only ever run 26 up until table rock. All right. And that kind of prompted a, uh, another question from the chat. This is for both of y'all. Um, Seth Baird, I hope I'm saying that right, um, asks, what was the fueling like for both of you? And two, any physical aches or pains that came about during the race? Those technical sections got me thinking ankle roll. Uh, Sophie, if you want to lead off. Yeah, so uh, nutrition for me is always pretty, always funny. Um, I'm stuck on a kick of Swedish fish currently, um, which was fitting for the race. There's a lot of extreme crossings, right? <laughs> um, I don't know if they helped. Um, I'm definitely one of those people I have to eat like kind of like small amounts throughout the race. Like I can't just like eat a burrito or eat a pizza in the middle. Um, it would come back up if it actually went down. Um, so for me, it's, I have some electrolyte chews, the Swedish fish, um, pretty much if it's gummy, it's game. So, oh, oh yeah, this is my, my wife said I had to mention this. I also loved maple candy. So they're basically just pure maple syrup hardened into a candy. Um, I think I had four or five of those. So that made up for the caffeine. Um, and then I'm a lemonade addict. So I had water in my pack, but then I had a huge thing of lemonade up here. Um, so just kind of sipping on things and chewing things throughout. Uh, as far as aches and pains during, other than scraping my leg up in the first couple of miles, um, which it's still catching on my dress pants every time I'm at work, um, I was really fine. The water, I think just the water being really cold at the streams made my legs pretty much numb throughout everything else. Um, and I went into the race being pretty injury free, which was awesome. So really, really felt okay. Had to nurse back some of the cuts and stuff, but that was about it for me. Sophie, you're one of those people that I hear you say things like, I felt pretty good. And I'm like, you know, like I could, and then, you know what, I'm, I'm not surprised by that because I actually, because we all kind of hung out for a couple minutes after the race. And in my head, I was like, gosh, she's moving so well. I was not. I felt broken, absolutely broken. And I think that still has a lot to do with just acclimating. But my thing is I felt um, strangely fatigued like midway through the run. And I, I don't know if it was due to my lack of long runs for the last five weeks. Um, I feel like experienced runners would tell me that that's not the case, that your body does not lose, um, you know, does not – lose being familiar with running that that quickly but I did I found that 
around like mile 16, I, I was struggling to, I wasn't as like quick and mobile, um, like getting over the, the rocks and over like the fallen trees and stuff. Like I didn't have the same amount of pain-free miles that I feel like I've kind of been used to, but I think a lot of that also does have to do with nutrition. So I'm still trying to figure that out. I always, I, I like to be more of like a whole foods eater. I'm not a huge fan of the gels. Um, but unfortunately that seems to be the only thing that I can get down. So this is two races now that I fill my pack with like whole foods. And by mile five, I can't even fathom the idea of chewing. It just doesn't sit well. It is not, it's not appetizing. And so I did, I relied on like a few gels, but I don't pick up anything from the aid stations. Um, and then I had Gatorade. So very under fueled. So I have to work on that. Yeah. It, trust me, it does get easier and you will go in waves with the nutrition. Like I will swear I have figured it out and then I'll hit a race and not want anything and everything sucks. And then you find a new thing. Um, I'll get you some maple trues. It really is the key to life. It is just straight sugar. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested in that for sure. Yeah. I, I tried to do, you mentioned Swedish fish. I've, I tried to do um, the watermelon sour patches. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because on all of my training runs, I can put those down fine. But I think what it is, is exerting so much just messes up. Like, I don't, it's not digestion. It's more of, I can't picture chewing it. And so then I can't get it in my mouth. So I don't know. So then I just result to the gels and the liquid calories, basically. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with liquid calories. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Trust me. Yeah. So obviously, Reagan, it being your first ultra, you probably learned a ton out there. Uh, what was one thing that you kind of going to take away from this race being like, wow, okay, next time I do my first ultra, like I'm going to do this better. What's the biggest takeaway going out of your first ultra? Uh, biggest takeaway is I need to start the race how I will expect to be running about 10 miles later. So, and I, I'm, and I make, it's such a rookie mistake. I still do it. I, um, all my training runs, I still do it. And so what I need to do is, you know, if come, I think some of my middle miles, I was running like 10, uh, like somewhere between 10 and 10 and a half and 11 and a half miles. And whereas my beginning miles were like nines, some of them sub nines. And so I don't know if how Sophie felt about this, but the field wasn't as easy to run in as I think people would assume. It had been recently mowed. And so it was like wet, tall, like clumpy grass. And so I felt like I was doing more high knees than I was running forward. And so I was like using a lot of energy and and I still attribute a lot of the way that I felt halfway through the race to how to how I performed in the beginning. So if I would learn to pull back and run in the beginning, more like how I will expect to towards the middle to the last half of the race, then it could be a completely different outcome or experience. So. Yeah. All right. And so kind of keeping with that, like train of thought, um, I already feel like I'm seeing a little bit of like a mentorship thing happen here. Um, <laughs> Sophie, um, what would be your one, your biggest piece of advice is somebody who just ran their first ultra and had a really great performance and wants to keep getting better at this sport. My gosh. Uh, she could teach me a few things. If you would have watched her <laughs> run down table rock. Um, honestly, you are an incredible athlete and it was awesome to run with you. It would be cool to run with you more for sure. Not just chase you from behind. Um, <laughs> Don't beat yourself up about the long run stuff. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I do really low mileage. Um, I get that question a lot. People will see my Strava and stuff and it'll be like, oh, you ran 40 miles this week. That's it. Um, rock it. If you're low mileage, just own it. Um, I CrossFit as well. Like it's a great turnover, CrossFit and running. So just do what works for you. Um, and as far as pacing, I think definitely coming, coming from the backside of running cross country and track, like you're out of those gates hot, like you're going to mow it down and you definitely pay for it later. Um, but that being said, like I kind of approached thing effort-based. So those first couple of miles through the grass, I was moving pretty good. Um, and then when we hit some of those technical stuff, I was just power hiking, like it was nobody's business. Um, and then, like you said, really like once we hit that gravel, just kind of open it up and let your legs 
feel good. Just trust your body. It does actually know what it's doing. Sometimes trust the body more than the mind though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A good point. Um, so actually I have, I have a question for you. So what's your, what's your post race recovery? Like, like what does your next week look like? This has been a big topic in my life recently. So, Heck yeah. Uh, so my patients will be really pleased to know I follow every bit of advice I give them. Um, it, yes, it drives my wife probably crazy, but I have a whole mobility routine I do afterwards. Um, I sleep like crazy. Um, and then I will honestly, this week I have mostly just walk or run for no more than like 20 minutes the last couple of days, um, followed by my mobility stuff. Um, and that's kind of what works for me. Some people are like way more into getting massages and that kind of stuff up front. But for me, it's just some general movements. Um, mm -hmm. I'm definitely want to get back and like, I'm ready to lace up my shoes. Uh, but I'll give myself until Friday and then I'll probably go out for a nice run um, and just enjoy some trails. I don't usually pay attention to my watch at all this week, um, okay. but yeah. it's hard not to pay attention to your watch, but yeah. it just dies a lot. So you just let that go too. You need a new watch. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, all right. So um, because you both mentioned CrossFit, um, I know this is an ultra running show but sort of like deep in the recesses of my um, former football player mind. Um, I remember doing CrossFit workouts and they all have names, right? Um, so what are your guys' favorite CrossFit workouts? Then? Uh, so you so, go first? Yeah. Sure. So I, I honestly love Murph. I am not the, the large weightlifting athlete. I'm not built for that. Uh, so anything that's body weight, I love. And, if you can give me like a hundred or a couple hundred reps of something, I'm pretty much game. So I do look forward to Murph every year. Um, and I love booking it out on that first mile and watching the guys struggling with their vests because they didn't anticipate how hard mile two would be. Yeah. Um, and then truly anything that has a burpee in it, I'm pretty much game for. Wow. You typically don't hear that. I, I love, <laughs> I love, I love burpees. I do not recommend them for anybody, um, but being low to the ground, they're very easy. <laughs> I was about to say, if you like burpees, you've mastered how to get down and back up really quickly because yes. most people hate them. Um, so my, my, it's probably a close tie between for me, as far as like the, the benchmark workouts would be Karen or Annie, which Karen is just 150 wall balls for time. And then Annie is um, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 double unders and ab mat sit-ups. So that one I actually used to do every other day to see how fast I could do it. Um, and then I one day I was like, I'm going to get rhabdo in my abs, so I need to quit. Yeah. <laughs> double unders still scare me. I like you get five in a row and then I overthink them and then I just am whacking myself and everyone else around me. So I think I, could, that one. <laughs> I think if someone said, hey, do double unders all day, I would do it with a smile on my face. I love them. That's how I feel about burpees, if we're just being <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just, both of those things I cannot fathom. Having done both my fair share of burpees and, like, double unders and sit-ups, I just, yeah, uh, never again, honestly. <laughs> Good for y'all, though. Um, and we got another question in the chat, um, once again from Seth Baird. Uh, no complaints about my pronunciation yet, so I assume I'm doing that right. Um and he says, for the majority of training, how much time do you spend on trails in preparation for an ultra? Does it make a big difference? Uh, Sophie, if you want to lead us off again. Yeah, I would honestly run. If I had a personal preference, I would run trails every day. Um, I don't mind the road, um, but I like being in the trails and just kind of being in my own head out there. I probably run trails two days a week. So one time during the week whether it's just like a easy four to five miles. Uh, and then I either try to do my moderate distance run or my long run on trails. M my wife and I have a deal cause she does not like trails that every other weekend is a trail running weekend. Um, which is, which is good for me. It's a, she always comes back from the road once and it's like, Oh, I had a great run. And I'm like, I hate this sport. I don't know why I do this. It's so hot. Um, but yeah, one to two times a week, if I could all the time, I think more honestly, the mental game, knowing that I've been on the trails, knowing that I've done the climbs, I think pays off more than actually doing it because there is a lot of benefits to road running. 
Um, and there's just, from a doctor standpoint, there's less pounding that occurs on your joints on the trail. So I'm always down for that. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree. So when I lived, I recently moved to Atlanta when I was, when I lived in Athens, I was closer to like a small mountain biking trail that I would typically do a couple of times a week and then save, um, the longer mountain running for the weekends. But now I've pretty much moved into where all of my weekly runs are on the road. And then I run my long run on the weekends in the mountains. So yeah, so for, for me so far, and this is just my perspective here, I have been successful, I guess, to have run primarily on the road um, and then just hitting the mountains on the weekends. But I agree with Sophie that it's not so much about um, there's definitely something to be said about training different physically on the trails versus on the road. But I think it's very mental. I think oftentimes we need that mental reminder of, oh, this is what it feels like to run up, you know, and down versus just the consistency of being on the road. Um, but just because you're not getting on the trail all the time, I wouldn't say that your body has lost the capabilities to do so. I think we just need that general reminder of of getting out there and feeling what it's like. Um, but I would prefer the trail, obviously. I, I like the views to just kind of getting in your head and enjoying it out there, but it's not quite convenient. So a lot of road miles. All right. And um, sort of we've moved on a little bit uh, directly from the Table Rock race. And if y'all don't know yet, we haven't mentioned it before in previous shows, is uh, we send our guests Google Docs prior to the show. Um, and one of the questions that we ask in that Google Doc is, is there anything you want us to ask you about? Um, and Sophie's already gotten to a couple of the things, but um, I want to hit the other two that she asked for real quick. And I'm going to lead off with, how did you meet your wife? Yes. Yeah, so this is a fabulous story. My wife tells it better. So please ask for that version sometime. Um, but after college, I actually moved to the Charlotte area and my wife is born and raised here. We had a mutual friend who said, Oh, you guys, you know, should be friends, meet up, run sometime. You both run ultras. And so I found my wife on Facebook and was like, yeah, we should meet up. We should get coffee. And do you know what she said? She said she was too busy, but she'd get back to me sometime. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, like this is off. This friendship is off to a great start. Um, but then, ironically, about a month later, we were both at the Crooked Road 24-hour race in Virginia, um, and lo and behold, she made time to have dinner with me. We have been friends ever since. Um, and she, I, to her, to her credit, also during that, I was getting a little loopy at the end, and she started walking with me. And the only thing I could remember is telling her how funny she was. I just kept saying, "You are the funniest person." You are so funny. Um, and we we have been friends uh, ever since then, and then obviously went on to date and get married. But I, I love her to death, and I will never let her down for blowing me off the first time. Um, but but our, our story is kind of wrapped around running and ultra running and everything related to it. And, I mean, she's, she's the reason I can get out and have the time to do all of that. So I always appreciate that. Super cool. Uh, yeah, that's so great to hear, Sophie. And um, don't worry, Reagan, we don't want to leave you out of this part, right? Um, you didn't mention having a wife for us to ask you about, but um, I figured uh, an interesting question would be to ask you, how did you start working at Whoop? How did I start working at Whoop? Um, so I just graduated college this past May. And it was a weird time to graduate, no graduation ceremony, a lot of people losing their jobs instead of getting jobs. Thankfully, Whoop was kind of doing the opposite as far as growing in business um, as people were becoming more involved in the fitness world. And then along with um, a lot of um, correlation with COVID actually now because Whoop measures respiratory measurements, um, the business grew hugely. And so they were actually doing a lot of hiring. So as someone who has had a whoop for two years, I thought what better job to have than a company that I like kind of have been living by for two years. As far as the data, I am insanely obsessed with the data. And so I applied and it was the fastest process ever. I had an interview and then a video interview. And then like the next day, 
Uh, they, they had told me I would know the next day. And within a couple of minutes, they called me back and said, you know, we're going to have you on. So yeah, now I've been working for Whoop since June. So not super long, but it's been great. Great company. You kind of talked about it in your recovery process a little earlier, but for those of you that don't know, like kind of talk about what the watch does or the fitness tracker does and like, kind of like what the benefits are for ultra runners to kind of get one. Cause I've kind of think about it. I have a couple of friends that have them and they, they absolutely love them. They've been trying to sell me on the idea, but uh, I just want to hear directly from the source. What's it all about? For sure. So I think um, endurance athletes specifically can benefit um, from whoop people in general, whether you're an Olympic weightlifter, you're an endurance athlete or CrossFit athlete. Uh, I definitely think everyone can, but um, because it's gathering data specifically from your heart, right? It's definitely going to be a huge tool for endurance athletes. So it measures recovery, strain, and sleep. And what whoop has that a lot of other trackers don't is um, how often it's actually gathering heart rate data. So it's taking 52 samples per second, whereas a lot of trackers actually will take an average across five minutes or an average across 10 minutes and post that. So we have a sample data that is a lot larger than a lot than other trackers. Um, the other thing that kind of helps whoop stand out is the measuring of HRV, which I know is now becoming more popular amongst other trackers. Um, but whoop's been measuring HRV for about, since it came out back uh, about five years ago now. So HRV and respiratory rates and um, and the, your, your average heart rate while sleeping is what's gonna be generated to, to produce your recovery score. Um, and then you're able to see all of your sleep staging at night, your disturbances, um, and then your strain is, is going to be based on your max heart rate and then how long you're spending in each of your heart rate zones. So I can be biased, but it's probably one of the most detailed um, analysis of your body when it comes to both how you're straining and how you're recovering. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's been something I've been really, really considering recently. So, uh, just another reason maybe I should probably pull the trigger on that for eventually. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You should look into it. It's an awesome tool. I'll definitely have to, uh, Eric Anderson in the chat asked, does Sophie run at Lake Norman mostly on for the trail runs? <laughs> I do run at Lake Norman state park a good, a good bit. I'll be honest. Um, I've had some creepy experiences out there. I mean that in the nicest way possible, um, I usually run at the Whitewater Center or Epic Crowders, um, Lake Norman State Park. I've gotten to a few spots where I haven't seen bikers. I haven't seen hikers. Um, I don't have any self-service. Um, and I've had just kind of a few, few experiences where I want somebody to be with me. Um, that being said, fabulous trails. Um, I just like taking somebody up there with me. I know that was probably not the most encouraging answer, but um, great trails. That's, that's really great to hear. And you're not alone in having um, creepy experiences on trails. I, I know for sure that it's definitely different being a woman and running alone on trails than being a man and running alone on trails. But one morning at like 5 a.m., I got up super early to go to um, Hawking Hills, which is a very popular and beautiful place to go in Ohio. If you're ever here, you should definitely go. And I was running alone and I had my headlamp out and I, um, I come to this turn in the trail and I go around the turn and then there's a, there's a baby stroller and it's empty. And I was so far from someplace where anyone would have a baby stroller for any reason. I was definitely just like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to stumble across like a very grisly thing, like very soon based on this empty baby stroller, aren't I? So you're definitely, yeah. uh, you're definitely not alone. Um, yeah. Yeah, I try and be super careful anytime I run just in general, having, obviously like having my mm -hmm. phone and some stuff on me, but uh, you get some weird things. I mean, they always say runners find the strangest things and it is 100% true. <laughs> so Reagan, kind of bouncing off that, what's one spot where you kind of run, like what are the names of some of the parks kind of down by you that you like to run at pretty often? So I- some good spots run, to check out. Yeah, so I run on the Appalachian Trail like every, every single weekend. Um, it's kind of become the playground, honestly, every, every weekend. 
Um, again, this is all kind of coming back to the fact that I have only been doing it for a short amount of time. So I have some bucket list places. Um, I did after my half marathon, I ran to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back out. So literally got to like touch the Colorado river and that was awesome. Um, I found out when I was there, I know that's not where I live. Sorry. I kind of detoured, but, um, I found out that only 1% of the people who visit the Grand Canyon actually go in. And that's just disheartening, you know, like for all the people to visit, they never even go a couple miles down. And so, yeah, I did a, um, an 11 mile run down and a 12 mile run back out. And it was awesome. But as far as my local running, I typically just head up to the Appalachian trail every single weekend. I think what we've learned from this podcast is that we should probably be best friends and run together on the weekend. <laughs> just I'm putting that out there right now. If you haven't heard that. I, we'll, have to do a, we'll have to do a group run. Cam, you're yeah. not invited because you're too far north. But no, yeah. it's just so it's totally impossible. I can't even. Well, I'll know on Monday when I'm going to be allowed to run again, probably. Um, I've been dealing with this on and off foot injury um, since like February for people who don't know. But... Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, we're getting uh, almost towards 9 p.m. here. We want to move on to some rapid fire questions. Um, to start, um, if ultra running had walk up songs, um, what would yours be? And Reagan, if you actually want to leave this one off. Yeah. Um, 3 a.m. by Matchbox 20. All right. And what about you, Sophie? Uh, the Fighter by Gym Class Heroes. Okay. I can get behind both those answers. Yeah. I think both yeah. of those are going to be really good additions to our Spotify playlist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was actually listening to that today on, uh, on my bike ride. Very weird vibes. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when you source a playlist, like one song at a time from different people. Yep. Um, but I still, I still really like it nonetheless. Um, <laughs> and so we already covered this a little bit and, um, Maybe y'all can go a little further into detail here if you want, but uh, what's the one thing you can't leave an aid station without? I, right now, I'm going to say the maple chews. <laughs> Luckily, unfortunately, no aid stations usually have them unless you're in Vermont or Canada, but uh, it's the one thing I can't start the race without. How about that? Okay. That's good. Uh, I don't really pull from aid stations. I load my pack down. Uh, this past race was the first time that I took a sip of soda and that was good. I took some Coke and wow. <laughs> um, and it was, it was really good, but yeah, I typically anything I need, I like to go ahead and have on me. I don't want to rely on aid stations. Yeah, I was doing, I was doing the same thing. Just make it kind of easy just to get water in and out and whatnot. Yep. Uh, what's what your guys' next big goal that you guys are wanting to accomplish, whether it's in life in running, uh, kind of give us the breakdown of that and Reagan, you can start us off. Yeah, sure. So as far as in running, um, I really want to keep this little pattern I have going, going from the half marathon 50 K. I want to do a 50 miler. It's going to take a little while for me to be able to, um, kind of wrap my brain around that because at mile 31, I was, there was no way I could have gone another step. So I've got a lot of growing to do physically and mentally there. Um, but that's, that'll probably be the next mile marker. And then I want to, the plan is to move to Colorado next July. So, which I'm super excited about the trails there look awesome. That should definitely help you get a 50 miler in if you have literally all the access to trails and just epic views right outside your out your front door. So that'll be awesome. It'll be exciting to not run in canopy all the time. So I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll have to change the um, the Ridge Runner sort of catchphrase to everything trail and ultra running east of the Mississippi and Nick Moss who moved from Ohio out to Denver. It'll have to be and Nick Moss and Reagan Sykes. <laughs> um, and so uh, another real quick question here. Um, what uh, shoes did you guys run uh, the table rock race? Damn, you're jumping the gun here. We didn't get Sophie's uh, oh my gosh, answer. He, he's still, oh, um, he's got <laughs> the training wheels. No, no, hey. let's, let's get back to that first. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me, I mean, this is the first time I've been out of school for a long stretch of time. So for me, it's just being able to have the consistency to race on a normal schedule 
Um, I'm looking to kind of get move up, do the hundred mile distance and kind of see what I can do. It's some longer stuff. Um, I'm pretty happy at that distance. So we'll see. Um, just personally, I mean, we just recently took over the practice that we own right now. So for me, just building patience and thank you. Um, and just continuing to kind of put into practice everything that I've been practicing and working on and just work with my athletes. I mean, that's what I love to do. What's one piece of advice that's kind of just away from the rapid fire questions, but I'm just kind of curious. What's one piece of advice you always tell your patients that's kind of the hardest for you to follow true? I know you said that you always follow true to your advice, but what's the hardest thing to kind of like actually implement that you have to tell or you tell people to kind of follow through with? That is a, that's a great question. Cause I know a lot of them are watching currently. Um, <laughs> it really is. Um, probably for me, honestly, the biggest thing is backing off when I need to. Um, I tell my patients like really gradual back in, um, obviously try and keep them moving as much as possible. But I know for me, like right now I feel fine. Like I would just go out and do my kind of normal six in the morning. Like it was no problem, but I know tomorrow I've got to rein it back in and just walk the dog. Um, so just, kind of be being steady sometimes it's okay to just take it back and enjoy the enjoy just feeling okay awesome yeah no that's gotta be tough to do i know i always struggle with that too i just want to keep going 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 and i should probably this week take some time off but it's coming this weekend so i'll eventually get to that uh what's your guys's dream race that you guys want to run or bucket list race uh you can start with sophie for this one yeah so I've honestly jumped back and forth a lot about my dream races. I think as I've kind of come more into a trail runner, Western States has kind of just continued to come up in my mind and come up on my YouTube. Um, so I think, I think getting into that hundred mile distance and then seeing if there's any shot of getting in at Western States would be super exciting. Um, I might need a pacer, so I'll let you know in a few years. <laughs> Let me know. Um, unfortunately, I have a bit of a boring answer for that one because I don't actually have a dream race. I have watched every YouTube documentary there possibly is on ultra running. And so I've obviously watched, you know, the Moab and Western States and Leadville and all of those. But right now for me, it's just a matter of hopefully kind of chasing after the hundred mile distance way in the future. Um, and so I'm more set on distances than I am specific races. So, yeah. Reagan, I, I don't know how you could watch all those YouTube documentaries and not immediately just be like Barkley. Because I remember <laughs> when I first started running, not even ultra running, right? Like I was a year removed from a, a reconstructive knee surgery. And immediately I saw the Barkley documentary on Netflix. And I was like, oh, I think I could Oh, see, that's hilarious. Do you know that I had the exact opposite reaction? Do not put me out. I'm the person like I will get lost coming to my house. Like I don't put me in charge of trying to get myself back to where I started. It's a bad day. So no, that one's not anywhere on my list. Nowhere. I, I have to con confirm that one. I have absolutely no interest in that. I am happy to follow a trail marker. I'm happy to know what time it is. I'm happy to know when I get back. Like, please do not leave me in the dark by myself with no directions. Yeah. I mean, you guys know, like Table Rock is a very well-marked trail. Would y'all agree? You've had more to compare it to maybe. I thought it was. And there were probably a couple of times that I still got to the fork and I was like, okay, blue and white ribbon. Okay. Yep. That's me. So I still second guess myself, even when the instructions are as clear and obvious as markings at table rock. So yeah, yeah I'm not interested in it either. You won't see me there, Cam. Sorry. <laughs> if you're a racetrack, you're just gonna have to kind of keep shooting Reagan, like emails or just social blasts or whatnot, try to convince her to run one of your races. Cause none of the ones she's watched on YouTube or race videos are good enough yet. So we'll have to find your dream race <laughs> yeah. for you. Okay. Yeah, that, that table rock, I mean, it was marked every quarter mile and whatnot. Yeah. There was a couple of points where I even was like, okay, I just got to trust the course. Like, I got to trust that I'm going the right way. Cause like, it's like, there's a marker every hundred feet. It felt like, but it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you just get kind of turned around and it's, it's always tough, especially in the longer stuff. So excited to kind of see you continue to improve at the distance and continue crushing that, those goals and whatnot. So, 
Uh, if, if you have any final questions in the chat, we'll get to those real quick. But the one final question that we have for you guys is if you could run with one person in the history of the world and say that they could keep pace with you and you guys could run any distance, who would you run with and where would it be? And Sophie, we can start with you. Wow. Um, that's a great question, actually. I have always wanted to meet Paula Radcliffe. I realize she's still alive, but love Paula Radcliffe. I've probably read her book like six or seven times. Um, she could definitely still at this point kick my butt on some roads. So I would definitely take her to some trails. I would happily run up Table Rock with Paula Radcliffe. Um, <laughs> and probably her kid and her husband and everyone in that entire family would beat me, but it would be awesome just to talk to her. And um, she has done a lot for the sport, just women in general. So it'd be interesting to run with her. That's awesome. What about you, Reagan? I would run with Courtney DeWalter. <laughs> yeah, I uh, my friends and family joke um, about how many times I've watched the documentary The Source um, when I ever since I started watching them all. Um, I think she's just an incredible athlete. I, it blows my mind that she races against obviously males and females and consistently blows the the guys out of the water like that's just she's got it figured out and I love that her story um you know begins with her her first 100 attempt she like she failed she you know dropped like halfway through it and it wasn't just like they talk about how it wasn't something that was just a like a supernatural gift she had to work for it and I just think that's awesome so yeah it's that's really great to hear. I think you picked the right reason to look up to Cornita Walter because mostly I'm looking up to her because it's like, wow, she eats like so many nachos. Like, <laughs> that's all she talks about, like nachos and beer. I'm yeah. here, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, um, with that said, um, we want to thank uh, Sophie and Reagan so much uh, for coming on the show tonight. It was so great to have them as guests. Um, for our listeners who want to follow you guys on social media, uh, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's Dr. Sophie Mac. So it's D R Sophie M C. Um, you can always find me. Send me a message if you want to know anything. Um, we usually do some pretty interesting stuff on there too. So. <laughs> awesome. Um, for me on Instagram, it's just going to be at Reagan Sykes, R E G A N S I K E S. All right. And then do either of y'all have any uh, sponsor plugs to uh, throw out there? I know we've already talked about Whoop, it seems like, uh, Reagan. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely go check out Whoop. Um, I was actually just um, added to the ambassador list for Coros, which is the GPS watch that I use. Yeah. I've been talking to Sophie about it because her watch failed her halfway through that race. The uh, battery life while running GPS uh, for the Coros is about 72 hours, which is super reliable, love the platform. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, you can always shoot me a message on Instagram and I will give you a code. Help you out a little bit. All right, and then uh, you Sophie, do you have anything? Yeah. Shout out to Newton running. I've been running in their shoes um, and they've been nice enough to uh, sponsor me and make me supplied with shoes, which is probably a bad habit um, for the last six years. So thank you to them. They're probably the most reliable shoe I've ever had. Also not sponsored by them, but Naked Innovations make the best hands down hydration pack in the world. Um, make me an ambassador, make me an athlete. I will <laughs> shout your name from the um, everywhere, truly. Uh, best pack ever had fits like a sports bra. Yeah, I I already ordered mine, Sophie. I saw yours, <laughs> and it's in the mail actually. Heck yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's so great. Um, and then Sophie, one final thing: what's the what's the name of your practice there? Um, if anybody's in the area and would like to stop and uh, get some help. Heck yeah! So you can find us. We're United Sports Solutions. You can find us. That's our name on Instagram. That's our name on Facebook. Um, we treat primarily athletes, but really anyone looking to get active or stay active. We have chiropractic. I do gait analysis. Uh, I do all the rehab to get you back running strong. Um, and then we have an incredible massage therapist um, who is probably the most perceptive massage therapist I've ever worked with. Um, it's a great team and you get to come hang out with us. 
All right. I may have to take you up on that offer, although it seems like it'd be quite a commute for me um, to get down there. We'll figure it out. (laughs) All right. Well, once again, thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Uh, For everybody listening there, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening to this later on the podcast, we still love you too, but definitely tune in for one of the live shows. Uh, It's like such a great environment. You can drop some questions that you have for our guests. Um, We love to sort of engage with people that way. But anyways, uh, we will see you all soon. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Mm-hmm.